know what that sound means. It's another exciting installment of the Van Brawl Seasons Podcast, where we talk local sports, both the Atlanta Pro franchises, like the Braves, Hawks, Falcons, and we also talk the University of Georgia Bulldogs. So strap in, guys. It's another exciting episode about to start right now. What up, Podcast Land? This is just Jim and Joe with the Fan Brawl Seasons Podcast. That's right, RG3. It's our first episode of 2020. Of the new decade. Welcome back. Dude, we're going to make this decade ours, right? Oh, yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Own it. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. So, RG3, we've got a little bit of a programming reminder that we need to express to listeners and new people for the show since being a new year. You know, you might just stumble on our podcast for the first time. So... Where are some places that listeners and followers of the show can find us? Well, of course, we post links on uh, social media with Twitter and Facebook and uh, all those sorts. And But we're also on iTunes, Spotify, Slacker, uh, Google Podcast, uh, just about any podcast you can think of. Um, I think we're on iHeartRadio. Right. Um, like a, a, a bunch of podcasts hosts that I've never heard of before. Um, so, you know, wh- wherever you listen to podcasts, uh, go ahead and search Fan for All Seasons. Uh, look for our uh, our new logo or with uh, turf in the background. Yes. And uh, give us a listen and a subscription. Absolutely, absolutely. Like and subscribe. Like and subscribe. We can't emphasize that enough because we have so much fun doing this. And uh, we, we just hope that you guys enjoy listening to what we have to say. So with that, RG3, how were your holidays? Man, holidays were great. Um, you know, I got to see family, um, you know, hang out with friends. Um, just just good time to relax and, um, you know, really, really get yourself right. That's good. That's good. My holiday was really good. Got to spend a lot of time with family. Watched, watched a lot of sports. Uh over the time off uh, between basketball and football and everything, and I uh, got got to spend a lot of time uh, just relaxing and recuperating. And uh, I've had a lot of uh, good ideas come to me about the podcast. Um, um, j- just me, like thinking, and you know, I've I know we've hung out some uh, over the stretch when we've been off, and I know we've got some ideas percolating uh, for the new year. So, uh, yeah, so so it was a good holiday. So, RG3, let's get down to business. All right. So, we're going to actually start out the show with some Georgia football news here. And it was yesterday afternoon that we found out, RG3, that Jake Fromm is indeed turning pro. Yep. And I I heard rumors that they were going to announce at the Georgia-Kentucky game at halftime, which obviously wasn't true, but... Um, but yeah, so from going to the NFL, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I'll say this. I'm, I'm not surprised. I thought it was a 50, 50 shot either way. I mean, selfishly, I want him back just because of being like the Georgia fan that I am. I thought having one more year of him and Pickens together would have been really nice. Um, I think. I think Fromm uh, can do well in the NFL. Just depends on where he gets drafted. But looking at it from the Georgia perspective going forward, you know, Georgia's got some options internally. 
They've also got um, the transfer portal out there. If you read uh, publications, there's rumors going around about all these different quarterbacks potentially looking at Georgia and Georgia looking at them. So we'll see what happens. But as far as Fromm... And what do you what do you think about Fromm's decision uh, from an NFL aspect um, going into the draft here in 2020 rather than playing another year and drafting in 2021? Well, well, there, well there are some points... Uh, with, with that, I think if you look at like Mel Kuyper's big board and everything, I mean, I mean he has Fromm as the fifth best quarterback in the draft. I don't know how much bigger, stronger, faster Jake Fromm's going to get from one more year in college, but I would like to think if Jake Fromm had come back, he might have been the top three, top fourth best quarterback coming out next year because next year you would have Fields and Trevor Lawrence as the two big quarterbacks headlining next year's class. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess now with Fromm going, some of the other quarterbacks might be like Sam Ellinger from Texas might be up there um, for next year, but that's a whole other can of worms. Um, I'm, I just really am thankful that we got to watch Jake Fromm as long as we did. Um, he, he was He's a damn good dog, and another big-time moment of Jake Fromm's that I'll never forget was the Rose Bowl. The Rose Bowl... The clincher uh, to put Georgia in the national championship as well as that SEC championship. You know, Jake Fromm, he uh, was just a winner. He was just a winner. And, I mean, he was like 34-7 and seven as Georgia's starting quarterback. I mean, that's, that's pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. So, you will be missed, number 11, a.k.a. Sticks, a.k.a. Jake Fromm. <laughs> so, what team do you think is the best fit for Fromm? Well, um, I mean, the Dolphins need a quarterback, but I think they're going to go the Tua route. Um, what, what the Dolphins could do is they could go and is they could get like a lineman or a running back or something or another skill position, and you have Fromm later in the draft. Um, some other teams that might use quarterbacks, uh, like the Bengals, but I know the Bengals are probably going to get Joe Burrow. Um the Patriots, maybe, like, if Brady leaves. I mean, they got Jared Stidham, but I don't know. And it's going to be really interesting to see where Fromm fits. Yeah, it definitely is. Carolina might be another dark horse. Or Jacksonville. Yeah, I definitely think Carolina would be a good fit for him. And uh, um, their new coach is that Baylor guy, Matt Rule. So Matt Rule got to see Jake Fromm up close and personal in the bowl game and was like, was probably very impressed with what he saw, so. Mm-hmm. Don't be surprised if Carolina tries to maybe make a move on Jack Fromm. I don't know. It's 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 really kind of perplexing to see like where he's going to go. It's it's going to be interesting to see. The NFL draft is always an interesting time in April um, to see that. So. Mm-hmm. so moving on, moving on, RG three. Um, we're going to go into a lot of basketball as I teased on Twitter and Facebook. So let's do it. All right. So. Tuesday night was an incredible atmosphere in Stegman Stadium. Uh, the dogs fought hard against Kentucky despite the loss. Uh, what perspectives can you take out of a game like this for Georgia? Um, some positives I can take out of this are are these. I think Georgia proved that they can hang with hang with one of the best teams in the SEC, or at least a really good team in the SEC. Um, you know, Georgia's really young. And um, 
And Georgia as a collective unit did their did their best and held their own. I mean, they had the lead um, towards the middle of the second half. I think a lead as big as like five or six. Mm-hmm. And uh, and and based off what we've seen from the Memphis game too, from both Memphis and Kentucky, we've seen Georgia isn't scared to play these like ranked teams and teams that are like bigger than Georgia size wise, like. But some other positives you can take out of this. Anthony Edwards had a spectacular performance. He had 23 points. I know he took a lot of shots. He did a lot of things well. Um, another guy that we're going to get into, Jordan Harris, uh, did a lot of good. Uh, Tumani Kamara held his own against the intimidating front line of Kentucky, who has Nick Richards down low. And Nick Richards is a, is a pretty tough cover inside. You know, you know, so so we got to see this young Georgia team fight against a high quality opponent, against a really good coach and John Calipari, and Georgia's going to face Kentucky again on January twenty first. So the dogs will get another chance at the Cats mm-hmm. in Lexington. So, okay, I'm going to give you my synopsis of the game, and I want you to tell me if you agree or disagree. Okay. All right, so Kentucky game, Georgia, horrible at free throws. Um, definitely need to work on free throws. I believe that. Um, and the refs, oh my gosh! I mean, yeah, I mean, you you can't like did did Calipari pay them off and then yell at them for every single I don't thing? I don't know I like don't small, know like at one point he was on the bench sitting down. Refs called a foul on Kentucky, and he, um, and then he was just sitting there talking in the bench or whatever. And then after the ref walks by, and thirty seconds later he gets up, starts yelling at the ref. He's like, he did, he didn't even see the play. Yeah, I don't, I don't <laughs> Do know. Do you know what you're yelling about? I, I don't know, I don't know. I did hear Coach Green say on his uh, radio show that um, that some of the calls when they were like, like some of those reviews on the floor. You remember, like, later in the game mm-hmm. when, when refs would go and they would talk to the two coaches, it seemed like things were trending one way. But I'm not going to throw out conspiracies and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but, but, yeah, but yeah, I, I would agree with you about Georgia and free throw shooting. I think that's something that, you know, a lot of teams... If Georgia would have made all their free throws, or say say they made 75%, or... Um, what, do you know the percentage from the game? If not, don't worry. But um, if we would have made... Made free throws, and um, uh, they could have overcome Kentucky easily. And just think about if the refs made the right calls. And Georgia, Georgia might have had a ten point lead on Kentucky. And the 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 other thing that's like frustrating me is Georgia's inability to get second chance shots and gang rebound in the second half. Mm-hmm. For Georgia to be the team that we want them to be. They're, every guy, all five guys on that court, have to rebound. You have to make contact with someone. Yeah. You have to get a body on them. And that's where Georgia did a poor job in the second half. Well, I I honestly think Crean was worried about uh, fouling. Because yeah. you saw what refs were calling fouls. Yeah, so. it, was, it, it was not the best officiated game. I'll just say that. Yeah. It was frustrating. 
But anyway, so going back to Jordan Harris, who scored 10 points off the bench for Georgia, do you think if Harris continues his good play, he could start at some point? I think he could. I think he could. I think Crean likes him coming off the bench now because he gives you kind of that energy boost as far as scoring in defense. Because think about Jordan Harris. I mean, Jordan Harris is like, he, he's very long defensively. He plays passing lanes very well. He has great anticipation and great has a great nose for the ball. Um, he's one of the more creative scorers that Georgia has. I mean, he's fearless and going in the basket too. And what I mean by creative is, is he finds just like crazy angles to lay the ball up, just like reverse layups and just like finger rolls and just kind of like crazy like herky jerk moves. Like gets fouled, like and you know, like he's a great driver and he he's got an improving jump shot too. So I would not be surprised if Jordan Harris, if he continues this role. Could could maybe find his way. Um, Start. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. Um, and Anthony Edwards had his first taste of conference play on Tuesday. What type of f- performances do you expect him to have against Auburn on Saturday? Man, on Tuesday he had twenty three points. He so his big strength. He he is six five, and he has the ability to get to the basket. I would personally like for him to drive more and be aggressive um, in, in terms of finding his shot. I think in the second half, he settled for too many threes. And it seems like Kentucky was daring him to shoot mm-hmm. these long threes, which led to long rebounds, which led to transition for them. So if I'm Edwards, I would continually go to the basket and score it well until somebody stopped me. If you if you want to equate it to football and and it's kind of like and it's kind of like Georgia giving the ball to DeAndre Swift and continuously doing it until somebody proves that can stop. So I think Anthony Edwards is going to have great performances throughout throughout the SEC, whoever he plays. But to me, he's got to do he's got to do two things well. He's got to get to the line and he's got to rebound well. RG3, I, I'm a big believer in rebounding, especially especially knowing the fact that Georgia's such a small team. He's got to do a better job rebounding. Because he, he looks he looks the part. I mean, he's 6'5", like, filled out. Like, he, he looks like a grown man mm-hmm. at 18. Like, he, he could be a dominant rebounder in the SEC. And Tom Crean has echoed that on his call-in show on Mondays. I I listened to it Monday, and that, that was a point that was really telling, and I remember listening and thinking to myself, okay, Tuesday, I'm going to watch the rebounding. I'm going to pay close attention to the rebounding. And Edwards Edwards did fine rebounding, but I think you can get a little bit more out of him. And I noticed at the end of the game, when he was getting to the rim and getting fouled, that that's when he's really good. The last point I'll make about Edwards that I really like, and not to say that I don't think he's a great three-point shooter because he is, he loves the mid-range jump shot, like that, like the jump shot inside the ring. He loves that shot. RG three, that that is like the dying breed of college basketball. I mean, that shot is rarely shot anymore, and it's either like go to the rim and get fouled, or we're just gonna jack threes. Mm-hmm. And the thing I like about Edwards is he understands. Hey, I need to find a way to to get my offense going, I'm gonna I'm gonna settle for that mid range day. So if he keeps doing those things, if he gets to the rim, if he keeps working with his mid range day, he's gonna have more performances 
like we saw against Kentucky, maybe even better. So I'm going to flip this question to you. Our two schools hook up on Saturday in Auburn. Are you ready? Yeah. So, um, so I'm going to flip this question to you. So RG3, kind of give our listeners some insight into the undefeated Auburn Tigers. All right. So, um, I mean, they just won against Vanderbilt, um, as you're aware. Um, and they, they didn't play too well, um, in my opinion. Um, uh, Three-pointers were shooting at 25%, which is pretty bad. But, I mean, you know, his philosophy is, you know, shoot them until you make them. So, um, and then field goals were under 50%. Um, with, you know, Vanderbilt was shooting at 50% and shooting 59% on, on three-pointers. So, um, they definitely had the better numbers. But um, they, I think it's... Auburn was having an off day, but because of the way Pearl is running the program, he came out with the win, I, I believe. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, of course, the free throws um, really, really do make a difference. No uh, doubt. Which is why I think Georgia would have beat Kentucky if, if they were making the free throws. I agree with you there. I agree with you there. So, I mean, you got Purifoy. Yeah. You got Purifoy and Okoro. Um, who were played great. Um, they still got that big man, Wiley. They do. Back. They do, yep. Uh, he had 13 points. Um, I worry about him on Saturday. Yeah? With Georgia's small size, I worry about that. <laughs> um, yeah, Wiley had uh, 12 rebounds, um, which was great, and nine defensive rebounds. So those are definitely some guys that we should be aware of. Yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. For sure. You know, RG3, you know what's interesting about Auburn? You know they're one of two teams that's undefeated in college basketball? You know who the second team is? San Diego State. The Aztecs. <laughs> you know who, who the greatest basketball player currently in the NBA is right now? Who? Kawhi Leonard. You know where Kawhi Leonard went to school? San Diego, San Diego State. Or as I like to call them now, the fighting Kawhi Leonards. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> So, Auburn and San Diego State, the two undefeated teams in college hoops. Uh, Georgia is going to have their hands full. Um, just being the diehard dog fan I am, I think, all right, I think Georgia can play well. I think they just have to make shots. You know, Auburn's all about tempo, 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 running up and down the floor. But so is Georgia. Um, I'm really curious to see how Bruce Pearl, try, or what he does as far as defending Anthony Edwards and, like, how all that's going to play out. So it's going to be really fun and interesting. Um, Georgia next week after the Auburn game, next Wednesday, hosts Tennessee and Athens. Um, we'll be all over that, talking about that uh, next Thursday. When we convene again, we'll be talking more Georgia basketball. So RG3, we're going to move on to more basketball as we go to the pros and talk about our Atlanta Hawks. Atlanta Hawks. True to Atlanta. All right. So, so Trey Young, Kevin Herter, and John Collins are finally all healthy and playing together. How exciting can these Hawks be with the core three leading? Oh, they, oh, they can. They can be very exciting. They can be very, 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 very exciting. Your voice doesn't sound exciting. Um, 
You know, you know the, <laughs> I'm giving you a hard time. You know, you know the thing that's crazy? I heard a stat um, from a Hawks podcast I listened to. Um, and, and what the guy said was that they've only played together, the three of them, like a span of like 85 minutes. I mean, I mean granted, the, that's the, crazy. this was a few days ago. But isn't that crazy that they've only played something like 85? That like, makes more sense why you sounded more relieved than excited. Yes, yes. <laughs> I'm I'm incredibly relieved that they're all healthy. I mean, I because mean, the Hawks have really... And, um, I mean, it, it's honestly just been kind of a tough watch. Yeah. And, you know, because we were all like, during the college suspension, we were like, wait till Collins gets back, wait till Collins gets back. Mm-hmm. And then he comes back for the Boston game last Friday, and then... Falls on his tailbone, and you're thinking, oh, no. And then, like, Trey Young, like, got hit in the face the other night. And I'm just thinking, oh, no, i got to hold my breath. And, um, you know, I'm just glad that they're all healthy. And the other thing about that is you don't have to run plays for DeAndre Hunter to have him be, like, the number two, number three option. He can can just kind of slide into his role and just kind of play – just kind of play basketball. You you don't have to make DeAndre Hunter or Cam Reddish kind of the the lead guys. I mean I mean you can let those guys be rookies still, so to speak. I and I I mean I know they had to do this, but I but the Hawks were asking a lot of Cam and a lot of DeAndre when one of the three of them, Kevin Trey and John, were hurt. So I think having all three of them back and having Cam and DeAndre kind of play just. Together, I mean, the Hawks can be dangerous. They can. I, th- I think they can be a lot of fun. I don't think, I don't think this year obviously is a playoff year for sure. I mean, we've got eight wins, but I, th- you know, like they did last year. I think they're gonna. I think they could play some fun basketball down the stretch and make it interesting. And we could finally have like an off season next off season where we're thinking. The Hawks could be pieces away from you know. The Hawks have used a combination of guys at the center spot. Based off the game against Denver on Monday, when Nikolai Jokic have scored 47 points, is the center the biggest need for this Atlanta Hawks team? I think it is. I, I'm, I mean, I know, I know they have like a, a myriad of guys that they've trotted out there, like Bruno Fernando, the guy who they drafted from Maryland, who who they're still trying to figure out. Um, so he's a guy that's gotten some uh, gotten some looks. You know, Alex Lynn, like we've talked about earlier in the season, seems to be thriving well in the backup center spot. And then Damian Jones um, has been kind of up and down of late, too. I'll tell you what I think is interesting is when they play Collins at center. I know they're smaller that way, but I feel like, I mean, I know there's a couple, like, really, like, big centers out there. And I, and I know the Hawks are probably going to get a center, at some point, but I kind of like this small lineup. It's fun, but I do realize after seeing like the rebounding numbers, like for Monday's the game against Denver and like like Wednesday's game against uh, Houston. You know, you play Cliff Capella; he's a really big dude. I finally come to my grips and realize that the Hawks need a center. We we need a big guy because John Collins is a natural four man. He, he's a natural four man. But about Andre Drummond, the guy from Detroit. As far as, like, do the Hawks try to get him? The thing about him is he is an unrestricted free agent next year. I know the Hawks could be just trading away bad contracts and get him. 
or or they could wait and get him in the summer, or they could draft somebody. But yes, I definitely think center is the biggest position of need for this team. I really do. Because, because I think if you add a dominant big man to play against to, to play against like bigger teams, like, like take the East, for example, like Philly and Milwaukee and t- teams like that with a lot of size. And then out West, you have like Houston, Oklahoma City, uh, Denver with Jokic, uh, Portland's got, uh, you know, Yusuf Nurkic. I mean... I mean, I mean, the the center position is not dead like we don't or like we think it is in today's like smaller guard heavy NBA. I've, and I feel like the Hawks are just a center and a couple role players away from being something really special. And I'm fascinated to, to see how they're gonna how they're gonna attack that. Whether the, whether they're gonna keep one of these guys internally, or you know, or whether they like Bruno, or you know, are they gonna go out? Um, and use some of that, uh, use some of that flexibility in terms of cash and everything that they'll have this summer. Mm-hmm. Um, the Hawks and this year's free agent class isn't great, so I'm curious to see like what the Hawks do with all that. But yes, I would say center is the biggest need. Okay, and uh, moving up to point guard, uh, Brandon Goodwin has been a real spark for the Hawks uh, as a backup point guard. Uh, what have you liked about watching Brandon and his role? I love this kid. I absolutely love this kid. He, okay, so here's the book on this kid. He's six feet. He's 24 years old. RG3, he went to Norcross High School. So so he's a Georgia kid. He went to college at Florida Gulf Coast. And uh, he's really been a boost of energy for the Hawks. You know, he, um, he's, he's been with the, uh, the Skyhawks, our, uh, our NBA Development League team. Um, and he's, he's really come in since being called up to Atlanta and really done a lot of good things. Like in his last, uh, in his last 10 games, he, and so in his last 10 games, these are his stats. So he's averaging 7.6 points a game. He's averaging two assists a game, um, 0.9 steals a game, as well as shooting 50% from three and, uh, 46.3 from the field in 13.4 minutes. I mean, I mean, the Hawks have been really trying to find a backup point guard, and it looks to me like Brandon Goodwin could be that guy for a, a little while. And I've really been impressed by the energy that he's brought you. A few weeks ago, he had his big game in Orlando when he had 21 points uh, off the bench and was the real key catalyst for the Hawks in that Orlando game that has been called the Brandon Goodwin game. That that was kind of his, like, Hey, you know, I'm here. Welcome to the NBA. And I, I, I really I really like the energy that he's brought you. And I and you know me, I've been harping on the Hawks back on point guard spot all year. I mean, even when we would occasionally talk about the Hawks in the summer. Remember, like that was my big thing. I was like, where's the backup point guard gonna come from? And it looks to me like they've got a solution for now in Brandon Goodwin. I've been really, really pleased with what you've seen from him. And I know there's been a few times where Coach Pierce has played both he and Trey together. I get you're really small there, but it's kind of interesting to watch the two of them because they're both so quick and so fast. Mm-hmm. All right, so my last question. Three out of the... Sorry. Three out of the Hawks' next five games are on the road, including the Spurs, who the Hawks haven't beaten in San Antonio since 1997. How do you expect the Hawks to fare in this stretch, and can they finally break their losing spree 
against the Spurs. So let's just start out with the road trip. Mm-hmm. So three out of the next five are on the road. So so you go to Washington on Friday. The Wizards are tough. The Wizards have like Rudy Hachimura. You know, they have John Wall, Bradley Beal, you know, a lot of shooting. The Wizards are a good team. But they're only 12 and 25. Then on Sunday, you go to Brooklyn. And the Nets don't have Kyrie Irving, but they do have um, they do have Joe Harris. And they have Spencer Dinwiddie and, like, you know, guys like that. They even have our boy Nicholas Claxton on the bench. Um, they've also got, I mean, they got some players. So so Brooklyn's pretty good. But, but I think that's a winnable game. I think... I think both Washington and Brooklyn are insanely winnable. And then you have the Phoenix game, which is the one home game in the next five. And then you've got the San Antonio game next Friday the 17th. That's going to be really tough. Like we said, the Hawks haven't won there since RG3. We were five. We were five. I was looking at the box score from that game. Dude, Mookie Blaylock was the Hawks point guard for our older Hawk fans. You know who that is. Uh, Mookie Blaylock, Christian Leitner... Alan Henderson came off the bench. He had 14. I think Mookie Blaylock had 25. Uh, Christian Wainer had like 17. Um, Steve, Steve Smith had like 20, 22, 23. I mean, and and the Spurs at that the Spurs are wait no, are so so the Spurs at that time were not good. So I hope for goodness sake that the Hawks can finally finally break that hex against the Spurs that they've had for you know it seems like forever. Mm-hmm. The last time they won down there, we were or in Texas, we were five. Like, like when I like, like when I read that stat, when when I when we were like going over the show prep and everything, I could not believe that. I was just like, "What in the world?" Like it was crazy. And so I had to look up the box score. And so I hope that the Hawks can break that. The Spurs are a pretty um, a pretty talented team. You know, they have uh, Demar Derozan. He's one of the top shooting guards. In the NBA, uh, he was really good with the Toronto Raptors, but it seems like he's found a niche in San Antonio. So I'm optimistic about this three out of five game stretch for the Hawks on the road. And um, now that they've got you know everybody healthy, we can finally see what they are as a basketball team, a healthy one at that. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's talk some national championship. Football. Yes, on Monday, 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 Monday. The Natty, it's here. Let's do it, RG3. All right, so we got LSU and Clemson. Well, before we like kind of get into the big picture topics of that, who are you rooting for? LSU, SEC. See, uh, I don't know what to do. What's, what's going on? I don't know who what's to root for. What's going on, Jim and Joe? Because I saw here, L- here. Come over here. Sit, sit on my couch. Because I saw LSU beat my school to smithereens, and like I don't really like LSU. They're a good team. Uh, I'll, okay, I'll say this. I think they're a very talented team. I don't know how good of a coach Ed Orgeron is. Why do you say and that? So, because, because because I just don't think he's like very smart in terms of like putting thing or like like when it comes down to a big moment, he doesn't really. I I don't think he's been tested enough to see how he reacts in a big moment. And I think Clemson's defense, as far as game management, yes, yes. That's what I'm saying. And, like, LSU's got what appears to be, like, the ultimate, like, superhero in Joe Brady. Like, but, like it's basically Joe Brady's offense. <laughs> like, I know Steve Ingsbinger is the, quote, offensive coordinator, but come on, dog. It's it's really Joe Brady's offense. Come on now. 
Um, so yeah, so I'm torn. I, I just have this this thing with LSU when they humiliated Georgia, but then Clemson, like, and I don't really like Orange, so. <laughs> I don't know what to, I don't know who to root for. I'm not going to have a rooting interest. I'm just going to watch the game. I hope it's a good game. Um, anyway, I just had to say that. Mm. All right. It's so, good to know. Yeah. I'm a neutralist. I just want good football. What? I think LSU's gonna. I don't think they're gonna be nice to Clemson. I'll, I'll put it that way. Okay. Um. They. I mean. They, they. They seem to be the team of destiny. Um. And do you expect their offense to score at will against Clemson? Um. I mean. Or do you think Clemson's defense is going to be up to up to the challenge. I think Clemson's defense will be up to the challenge. I think Dabba Sweeney has heard, you know, all this noise about, about LSU's offense, excuse me, and uh, Joe Brady and Joe Burrow and, you know, all, all this stuff. And I think Brent Venables, the Clemson DC, and Dabba are going to come up with a plan. I mean, to, to not completely stop them, but, but to get key defensive stops and they need it. I, I think it's going to be a fourth quarter game. I really do. We'll we'll get into the prediction stuff later. But I just think it's going to be a really close game. I don't think LSU is going to wipe the floor with Clemson. Like everybody else just thinks they're going to just kill them. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think so. And I'll tell you, the other, the other thing that people are forgetting is Trevor Lawrence is on the other side. And Trevor Lawrence is really good. I mean, think about, think about the toys he has. He's got Travis Etienne. He's got T. Higgins. He's got... He's got weapons like that. Uh, he really like Clemson, and so I, th- I think it's gonna be a really good game. Okay. I hope so. Which quarterback in this matchup do you think will have the better NFL career? I'm gonna say Lawrence. Yeah. And here's why. I mean, we won't know where he's gonna go yet, but Joe Burrow's going to the Bengals, and I mean, the, the Bengals look like they have a lot of work to do. I mean, I mean, their their primary job should be they should use every pick they have on offensive linemen to protect him, because Joe Burrow like might be able to scramble and make plays and stuff. Boy, boy, when you go to Cincinnati, you better buckle up, dude, because there's not a lot to really protect you or for you to throw to. I mean, you've got AJ Green, but wasn't AJ Green hurt like all of this year? Yeah. I mean, so I don't know. So yeah, I think I think Trevor Lawrence is gonna have the better NFL career. I mean, don't you think so? It's yeah. I mean, they, I, I I can't argue against any of those any of those points. Very valid. Yeah. Uh, Again, it's unknown. I mean, we don't know where Lawrence is gonna go. Very true. But just based off like what we what we know now in this point on January 9, twenty twenty, like I think Trevor Lawrence is gonna have the better NFL career. What is your prediction for, to end this portion, what is your prediction for the game and who do you see winning? I think it's going to be really close. I think Clemson is going to find a way to win it. I do. I know LSU appears to be the team of destiny. I remember we thought Georgia was going to be the team of destiny in 2017. Some freaky stuff happened. <laughs> you know, stuff like that. I think, I think... I think just the fact Clemson's been there before and Trevor Lawrence has been there before and Dabba has been there before, I think it's going to be close. I think Clemson's going to win like 34-31. 34-31, wow. 
34-31. I know I didn't sound really confident. I, I was just trying to think of a score in my head. Yeah, yeah. And so 34-31, I think Clemson's going to win it. All right. That would be crazy, though. I mean, think about that. They, they go back-to-back undefeated national championships. That would be insane. It would. That'd be nuts. Well, I mean, Bama's done it, of course, but... I know, but... A team other than Bama. Yeah, I guess you could say that's yeah. that's pretty, pretty amazing. Because, I mean, how many teams have done that? Not many. Yeah, I don't know the number, but... Not many. You're right. I mean... Well, well, let me ask you. Who do you think is gonna? Or give me your score, and what do you think is gonna happen? So I think LSU is gonna win. As far as the score, all right. So I'm gonna say a total number of points of 48 by both teams, and I'm going to say it is. Uh, this is gonna be a hard one. Um, 21. To twenty-seven. Wow! So not as offensively LSU. insane as like everyone. By a touchdown. So so you don't think it's going to be an offensive just like video game football? No, I I think Clemson's defense will will make adjustments. We'll make adjustments and we'll be able to slow LSU down, but not enough to overcome. Yeah, yeah, should be interesting. I know we'll be. We'll be watching it uh, Monday night, uh, checking it out, watching the game together, and we can... Uh, you going to wear your orange? No. Okay. No, I, I, I don't own orange. <laughs> no, I don't. I got some you can borrow. No, no. Since you're I'm, a I'm, Clemson fan. Right? No, I'm not. I'm not, okay? I just think they're experienced, <laughs> and they're talented, and I just think LSU's overrated. Okay. <laughs> just saying. Um, and um, our man Tom Green's got orange too. You know, he could wear his Virginia Tech stuff. Yeah? Who do you think he's rooting for? That's an interesting one. I think we'll have to ask Tom and get his feedback. Uh, and maybe maybe have Tom uh, report on the show next week. Maybe have Tom call in just for yeah. a quick say. All right. Give some natty. Give some natty championship talk. So, RG3, we've got one last little bit. It's the NFL. The NFL playoffs. Well, let's just get this one question and see. <laughs> yeah. So wild card weekend was wild, to say the least. Two overtime games, insane, yeah. insane stuff. Mm-hmm. It was good. Which upset were you more surprised by, and what do you expect to happen this weekend in the divisional round? I was way, way, way more surprised that the Titans went in. And took care of business against against the Patriots like that. I thought their ability to run the ball down New England's throat was very impressive. I thought Mike Vrabel did a heck of a job as far as like out coaching Belichick. Um, he he did some kind of gutsy stuff, uh, which you always need. And uh, so I was really impressed with the Titans. And then. Those Minnesota Vikings, dude. How about those Vikings? <laughs> Taking care of those Aints, that was great. Yes, sir. I, I love, 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 love nothing more than seeing the Aints lose. I absolutely love it. And especially the way it did, too. Like, with all the controversy, and they're like, he pushed up, blah, blah, blah. It's like, in your face, Aints, it happens again. It's great. What What did I see? The Something about the Saints being the... 
floppiest team <laughs> in the NFL or something That's awesome. Like that, or earn the playoffs the, at least. The Bills-Texans game was great, too. That was great, too. I don't know if you saw the end of that, but did you see the throw Deshaun Watson made? I did not. That was incredible. All right, so he, so he gets the ball, and it looks like he's about to get sacked, and he just, like, slings it, and the guy's right there. Um, to set up, to set up the game-winning field goal, hmm. uh, for them to win, it was really fun to watch, and like Deshaun Watson, man, has got something about him. He's he's a talented dude. He's a talented dude, and the Bill, the you you gotta tip your eye to the Bills though. I thought the Bills played very well. the The Bills' first touchdown was something else. They ran this like trick play, and. Uh, and the running back threw it to the quarterback, Josh Allen, and he scored a touchdown. And that's how Buffalo um, started the game and had the lead. And I was thinking, is this the Bills' time? But so so both those plays were just tremendous to watch. Uh, like we mentioned, the Aints losing was cool. The Titans being New England was fun. And so now it sets up. Seattle is going to Green Bay. And the Vikings are going to uh, San Francisco. In the NFC and then in the AFC, you have Tennessee and Baltimore, and Kansas City and Houston. So that should be that should be fun to watch. A lot of big time matchups. Should be a lot of fun. So RG three, before we get out of here, you got any big weekend plans, man? Well, so I will be over at the Oconee County Civic Center, and it will be the Georgia First Lego League. Regional tournament. That's right. RG3's judging robots. That's right. Look out. So, um, you know, if you want to come see some cool uh, robots that, that some students have built, uh, come over to the Koenig Civic Center uh, on January 11th and um, just see some ingenuity uh, of the town. That sounds fun. So, so between that, you're going to mix in. Uh, Little Georgia Auburn basketball and some NFL playoffs. You think? Oh yeah, uh, I'm definitely watching the Georgia Auburn game. That, that'll be after the competition. That'll be fun. That'll be fun. I'm going to Atlanta. Um, I'm gonna hang out up there, watch a lot of sports, and uh, just gotta hang out. Have a good, have a good relaxing weekend. And uh, RG3 will reconvene next Thursday, talking national championship, more NFL playoffs, uh, some Hawks, uh, some Georgia basketball. And all that in between. I'm working on a guest for next week. I'm not going to say who yet, but I'm working on a guest. So that'll be exciting. So for RG3, I'm Jamin Joe. This has been another exciting installment of the Fanball Seasons podcast. And we'll talk to you next week. See ya. Oh, wait. P.S. You can find us, like I said, on various podcasting channels. You can find us on uh, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeart. Google Podcasts, you know, all these various these various platforms. So we would like for you to just subscribe and uh, and like and follow the show. We're also on Twitter. You can find us at Fan Seasons and Fan for All Seasons on Facebook. We'll talk to you next week. See ya.